welcome to the latest episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. My name is Steve Wiss and I'm joined by Jonathan for Dugba. Um, how are things doing, uh, matey? Hi, Steve. Hi, everybody. We're back. Hope you are well. Everything's fine with me. Uh, happy to be on the show with you again, old friend, and looking forward to this episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. Yeah, so am I. Yeah. What have you been up to recently then, Jonathan? A lot of uh, football, to be fair. Been watching the old uh, 2020, whatever it's, whatever they've, I don't know how they've uh, branded it, but uh, yeah, games every night, isn't it? Uh-huh. Champions League and um, Europa League. It's not much of a, not much of an evening's entertainment here apart from football at the moment. Um, so yeah, no, I've been really enjoying it, I have to be honest. And I think one takeaway from it is the level. Just, I, I've been really impressed with the level. And I think, you know, sometimes when you watch, as I do, I watch a lot of sort of uh, lower league games and, and obviously Scandinavian football, the level when you see the top end of European football is just stunning, really, isn't it? Uh, I, I've been gasping at some of the games I've seen. Just to think the technical level, the intensity of the matches is, is so, so nice to watch. And um, I think we should really congratulate all the players and teams in it, especially given the, you know, the environment at the moment in the world. I think the fact that they've prepared for it, I think, I think everyone deserves a pat on the back, really. I think it goes a bit taken for granted. Yeah, we totally agree. I think uh, fair play. It's been, I think, fair play to the authorities as well for managing to fit all this in. You know, um, I think that they've come under a bit of criticism, don't they? But I think a lot of leagues across the world and, you know, UEFA have done quite well, really, to, to, to get this schedule going so we can enjoy it and actually get these competitions completed to a conclusion. Um, you know, there was maybe a couple of leagues that hastily finish their seasons too early, but that, nothing can be done to change that now. We just uh, move forwards, don't we? So, yeah, it's been good to watch. 100%. And, yeah, in matters closer to uh, closer to Scandinavia, it's definitely, um, they've definitely progressed, haven't they? 16 games now in, in Sweden. And uh, we're over halfway through the season in, I think, both leagues now. Uh, yeah, I mean, at the halfway stage, I think we're going to start with Sweden, aren't we? But mm. what's your general takeaway? from the quality you've seen just before we do get into that what's your i mean we're 14 games 15 games some teams in norway what's your you know linking it to the uh as you've said getting getting the games on and that kind of thing what's your takeaway been from a scandinavian point of view i mean i've really enjoyed it um i actually sent out a tweet just this evening about the amount of goals in a game uh, recently in norway and there's been a staggering number of them and i think there were 66 percent matches have been over 2.5 goals the average goals per games is 3.13 this season, which is higher than I've ever known it since probably over a decade ago when the league was probably wilder than it is now. And I think the main reason is because the, the leagues have actually started in much earlier in, in the year when the weather's better uh, from a Norwegian point of view. I've enjoyed it. The crowd in Norway's made a difference. I know you've only had a, two, a couple of hundred people in there, but it, they really do sound quite noisy sometimes. So... Yeah, I've, it's been a very enjoyable experience from my uh, perspective um, following the Elite Serien so far this season. I don't know uh, how you feel about to Sweden. Yeah, I think they need congratulating. Um, one one thing I think it's been difficult to follow from a uh, from a kind of analysis point of view, just because there's so many games. It really has been a packed, chock chock full schedule. Um, but you know that's that that also says that the players have got a lot of strain on them and, and, and I think they've done well to sort of get the league going and, and, and get games back. You know, the, I think the league has been maybe not rushed, you know, it's obviously a necessity, but um, 
certainly fitting 16 games into about two or three months is is a real intense schedule. Um, I think there was one team I watched the other day, uh, but this is only like two weeks ago or so. And then I checked their schedule and they've played four games since. They had four games within 15 days. So, um, you know, it just tells you how rapidly quick fire these games are coming along. Um, all in all, yeah, it's been a obviously a bit of a tight schedule, a tight season, tough on teams that don't have the biggest of squads. But um, it's gone pretty well so far, I think. And, you know, there's a little, a little things calm down a little bit more now. We've got, there's a break coming up for, you know, a couple of weeks, I think. And then games sort of go back to the once a week schedule to, to finish the season in December. So, you know, the last 14 games won't be as tightly packed as the first 16. Yeah, very well said indeed. So, uh, like you you mentioned there, we are going to start uh, this episode uh, with the Alsvenskan section in Sweden. And uh, for the viewers uh, who don't know the state of affairs, uh, Malmo are top of the league. 16 games played for everyone. They're top of the league on 35 points. Elfsborg still going strong in second on 31. Jurgarten on 29 and Norsheping on 28. Down at the bottom, there's three teams on 13 points. Uh, Helsingborg, Kalmar and Falkenberg. So, um, the most recent uh, round has just been complete. I know you were watching a, a very interesting game between uh, IFK Jotaborg and uh, IFK Norshipping, uh, which ended in a, an away victory. Uh, an interesting clash. Uh, important that Norshipping got back on track. Jotaborg might have won the uh, the Swedish Cup, but their actual league form isn't so good. What are your takeaways from, from that particular game, Jonathan? Yeah, the battle of the IFKs. There's been a few times where I've tweeted IFK and then I get, you know, you get a tweet back saying, oh, which one? Um, there's a few Peking fans following us as well as the EFK Yotaborg fans. And uh, yeah, it was a, I mean, it's not a derby of any of anything except name, but uh, it was a, a clash of two teams who have been in really in the doldrums. Both of them in the bottom, you know, bottom uh, five of the form guide, um, really on bad runs of form, let's be honest. No shopping went into this game with three straight defeats, they lost at Hacken 2-1, they lost at Helsingborg, and then they lost at Hammerby, uh, sorry, at home to Hammerby. So they went into this game, complete slump. You know, we, it was only a few episodes ago that we were talking about them being unbeaten, top of the league, cruising, you know, clear title favourites, nowhere near that now, uh, really falling behind the pace in terms of challenging for the title. So this was a big game for them. For EF Jotaburg, an even bigger winless streak. It was 10 without a win. You know, really, really worrying times for uh, EF Core. I've said on a previous podcast that I do worry about them this season in terms of potentially even being relegated, maybe. Uh, I talk, We talked about them and AIK as two teams who really may have to look over their shoulder this season. And um, it, was, it was an entertaining game. I, I enjoyed the flow of the game. It was, uh, I think on one of the previous shows, I talked about how there's just too much stop-start, you know, with the substitutions and that kind of thing. This game had an open flow to it and um, a nice, nice sort of feel about it. I, I did quite enjoy um, the spectacle from both sides, but it was no shopping that were, you know, clearly the better team in the end and came out 3-1 winners. An early goal from uh, Pontus Almqvist in the fourth minute. Didn't waste any time there. And then Christopher Neiman, uh, one of the top scorers in the league, he got another goal and to make it 2-0. EF Core came back and it was 2-1. Paka Lagomir with a really nice goal. Tobias Sahn, a fantastic assist. Uh, through ball, sliced through the, the midfield and put Lagomir through and he, and he finished well. Uh, and then Jonathan Levi off the bench in the 76th minute came on to make it 3-1 and a comfortable win for Nor Shopping in the end. And EF Core Jotterburg's winless run goes to 11 games. 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, they have won the Swedish Cup, uh, which is, I mean, you can't, you'd rather win silverware, wouldn't you, any any given year? But uh, you say 11 straight without a win now. I mean, how serious do you think the situation is in terms of league form for IFK Göteborg now, Jonathan? Yeah, well, this is a question that was asked to um, the the manager post match. You know how 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 serious this is, and and they, you know, of course, kind of played it down. And and I'm surprised that there's not more pressure on them. And I think they, I think there probably is going to start to be some pressure on them. Um, you know, he Poyas Bargi came out, and sorry, Paka Lagomir as well came out and said, you know, we've played well, um, we're conceding cheap goals, and we're not scoring enough. But uh, all we can do is continue working. And you know, the manager came out and sort of said that, you know he's doing his best and you know he said that it shows that we've got leaders in the dressing room because um the players came out and took responsibility for their performance you know sort of patting them on the back for losing to be honest it, it seems like they're being a bit calm about it um Kenny Anderson also came out afterwards and said that you know this we can't call this a, cri- a crisis I mean I would argue that you have to call it a crisis you know 11 games without winning um the cup is obviously very nice but I think it's you know it's not good times for Iqbal and I've been scratching my head because you know they they're quite a weird team to be honest they they, they kind of play they're not a bad side um, you know you can see what they're trying to do in terms of possession they've got good players you know they've got the likes of Alhassan Yusuf who we've written about on on the Y Scout blog you know a player profile um, you know Pakalagami is a good player to be a son is a good player. Um, you know, Hossam Aishi's okay. Of course, he was linked with Championship clubs. Maybe okay, maybe he's not that level, but he's not a bad player. Um, but just defensively, you know, Victor Vernerson is a decent. You know, individually they're not bad players, but just collectively, you know, at the back they're not good enough, and going forward they're probably not good enough. And it leads them to the situation they're in now, where they're just, you know, they they're dropping down the table, and they're only a couple of points now above the relegation zone. And you know, I did say that I think they could fall into it, and and now we're in the sort of a transfer window period you know if they lose some players and it's really going to be t- difficult times for them i mean we might have a few like first time listeners um listen to this episode i mean ifk jotterborg when you think of that name i always think quite a big club i mean let's just put it simply here in terms of the swedish football sort of pyramid I mean, just how big are they? I mean, it was. Am I right in thinking back in the day, they Sven Joran Eriksson won uh, European titles with this club? I mean, are they a fallen giant or heading that way? Yeah, and I think you know, for anyone who is listening to this new, you know, um, Jotterborg is a, a city close to my heart. I obviously lived there, and you know, I love, I love the city. I'll be honest, and you know, um, they are a massive club. There's no doubt about it. One of my fondest memories. Uh, being there was the first game of the, I think it was the 2017 season. Uh, EF called Malmo, you know, in the days of sort of pandemics and no crowds. If you saw the crowd that day, it was incredible. Malmo bought the away fans. Uh, there was flares going off, drums, you know, fireworks. You, you picture the scene. It was like, like you know, you're, it was like going to war or something, walking to the stadium. You know, it was like going to a war ground. It was really sort of like intensity fans just really excited about the first game of the season they played it at the old stadium um obviously they've got gamla ulave uh, strangely enough they've got a stadium that's new called the old stadium and then they've got the stadium that's called ulave which is the old stadium so pretty hard to get your <laughs> your, your, your your mind around that one but um yeah the old stadium is the new stadium essentially but yeah the old you know the old stadium is really atmospheric it's a massive club of course there's no doubt about that um, to be 12th in the table is not good enough. And 
you know, in general, their league finishes over the past sort of three, four seasons, just, you know, they're, they're a team in, in decline. I have to be said, you know, Beck or Hacken have come sort of from nowhere. They're a much smaller club uh, from Hissingen, you know, part of Jotterborg, much smaller attendances, but, you know, they're fifth of the table right now. Um, a good sort of 12 points ahead of EF Core. That, that's just, it's not good enough. Um, you know, put simply, EF Core have had financial problems for quite some time now, and, and that's really dictated how they behave. You know, they, they've had to sell their best players. They've, they've got a new strategy in place to sort of play the young players and bring through uh, players from their academy. But yet, you know, the, they are a massive club. So like you said, they've won the they've won European Cup. Uh, sorry, they've won the European Honours, sorry. I remember them growing up when they played Manchester United. You know, they've got a good uh, pedigree, 18 titles. You know, the second most after Malmo. They, they're a huge club. So this is really quite shocking where they are at the moment, um, if you take it in terms of how big they are. But it's not shocking in terms of their sort of trajectory the last two, three seasons. I mean, I've got I've got some theories about where it's going wrong from a playing point of view. Yeah, the sheer mention of the name Gamalulave, um, kind of uh, hairs on the back of your neck, kind of go up. It's such a, a well-renowned club. Anyone out there who doesn't really support a Swedish team, maybe it could be a good chance to get on the uh, on the bandwagon a bit while they're down there and maybe you can enjoy some good times going forward. I guess uh, the big question is, I mean, do you believe that they will have enough to stay up? You mentioned that you, uh, there's some problems there that you've identified, I mean, briefly, specific issues that they can fix quite easily or not? Well, I think, you know, when I was watching this game and they, they lost 3-1 and I was trying to sort of analyse in my mind and say, well, what's really going wrong? And you know what, Steve, I think this is a, a wider philosophical um, discussion about football in general uh, and it links to the Champions League that we just talked about and it links to the Europa League as well and you know I hope the listeners maybe might have some perspectives on this I- I'm keen to get people's views I think that EF Core are a team that playing football that is becoming arguably outdated um, what do I mean by outdated so Basically, Piet Poyas Bargis come in. He's a young coach. You know, he's in his 30s, I think, or maybe just turned 40s. You know, very young coach anyway, one of the youngest in Osvenskan. Um, and he brought in a lot of coaches from Gisunsfeld. He brought a few coaches from Gisunsfeld. Now, Sundsvall were a team, you know, who in a few seasons ago before their relegation, they were a sort of really pure possession-based side. They had some co- Spanish coaches who got them playing that kind of tiki-taka style, you know, really nice to watch, keep, keep the ball, that kind of thing. But I think there's an argument, Steve, that tiki-taka football and possession football is actually on the out um, at the top level. And I think it's been replaced. And I think, it, you know, football is a game of cycles. We go through different stages, different, you know, Barcelona, that era of possession-based football. You know, you have, you, you, have your, you have your teams at the top, don't you, Steve? And then you've got everyone trying to copy it after a while. You know, Pep Guardiola came in and revolutionised football, there's no doubt. And everybody tried to play that tiki-taka style. Everybody wants to play this possession football. But I think what's actually happened is there's a new era of football now and it's it's pressing. It's Jurgen Klopp football, it's Gagan pressing, it's um it's kind of quick transitions and quick breaks. And and basically why Klopp, in my opinion, was so successful is because he, he managed to find a way to break that kind of possession game, you know, high pressing, dis- dispossess the team high in their own fit area of the pitch, uh, you know, get really aggressive on them and then win the ball up high up the pitch, couple of passes and you're through on goal. And that pressing style has come in now, and that's kind of taken over, hasn't it? Really, Liverpool, Champions of England, obviously won the European Cup uh, season ago, and I think that era of football has kind of come in, and, and now people are trying to look at that. And and possession teams in this era, they aren't that successful. 
Um, you know, Barcelona, if you look at them now, I mean, who, who missed that A2 game? They got destroyed. Um, you could even say they don't even play really that kind of possession game anymore. They've kind of gone away from that philosophy to a certain extent. They try and play it, but they can't really play it anymore to the same level. And I think with EF Core, they, they're trying to play this possession game, but I don't actually think it really works. Um, so I think there's an argument that maybe they've just, they've got good coaches, they've got good management, but maybe it's just a style of play that really is becoming a little bit outdated. They don't have a players who can really keep the ball well enough, in my opinion. Um, they've got good midfielders. Like I say, Alhas and Yusuf will, will go on to have a really good career. Wolves have been linked with them, teams like that. But, you know, in defensively in transition, I think, you know, football's now a game of transitions. And EF Core, you know, that's what I mean about Liverpool, teams like that. They're so good in transition. They get the ball, they break fast, direct running, people like Mane, Salah. EF Core are the complete opposite of that. They're, they're terrible in transition. Uh, in my opinion. In this game against North Shopping, there were so many counter-attacks for North Shopping. The goals came from, you know, breaks, transitions. Um, and that's where EF Core just, just falter. They don't get back into position quickly enough. They play this position style, but they kind of, they lose the ball too often. Um, you know, in terms of their touches in the penalty area, they're not one of the teams who gets many touches in the box. You know, one of the worst, in fact, to be honest. Um, and they they lack in those kind of areas. So, my question for the listeners is kind of maybe is is that kind of possession football maybe going out of fashion a little bit and and maybe are EF Core sort of playing a style that's becoming slightly outdated. Very interesting stuff, I must say. Um, you say football goes in cycles. I mean, who knows? Maybe one day, long ball, hoof it long, four four fucking two, <laughs> might come back into the uh, into that cycle. But um, yeah, I do agree. I certainly we think we are in the era now of sort of. Um, pressing and, and you know quick counter attack sort of thing so maybe they are a little bit uh, behind the times there if K you to bug and uh, put it are they going to survive do you think got enough I think they'll survive just because I, I can't see them going down I think there's I think there are three worst teams in them uh without wanting to name names although I can if you like but you know I think there's three worst teams in them but but I don't think they can be too complacent they, they've brought in a few names recently uh Christian Kwaku's come in uh, they've made a couple of signings. I think they will make maybe some deals in, in this window. Of course, the, the one thing about them is they're an attractive club. You know, they're always going to have big players wanting to come and play for them because they are they are one of Sweden's biggest clubs. So that gives them the advantage. They can attract a player like Kuaku, who you know you can't see him going to like a Falkenberg, really someone like that. Um, you know, he they 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 can attract big names as well. I'm trying to say a lot of players who come back from abroad and they come back to Sweden. EF Core is a destination that you, you want to go to because of their fans. You want to go to because of the size of the club. Um, so I think from that point of view, I think they will be fine. But, you know, I think from a wider point of view, the, the counter argument to that is obviously the financial issues mean that they're going to have to sell their best players. And I think uh, Yusuf, they need him. He's, he's massive in that centre of midfield, a really classy player. Even in this game, I thought he was really good. Um you know, I think he's a really, really top player in terms of Osvenskan level. I think he's one of the best in terms of Osvenskan level. If they lose him in midfield, you know, who 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 sort of sweeps things up in that midfield? Who who's going to link the play? Uh, it would be really worrying. You know, Sana they've played, they tried him in centre midfield and that kind of thing. They will stay up, I, I think, just about. But it wouldn't surprise me if this carries on, and 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 I think there will be some pressure on the manager increasing uh, if they can't get a win soon. Interesting. Um, 
anyway, let's move on to uh, North Shipping uh, side of things. And we're actually going to do a player in focus from uh, North Shipping very soon. But uh, briefly on the actual team as a whole, I mean, they had three defeats in a row. It looked like they're uh, in a bit of a bad way, but maybe that victory can get them over that slump. Uh, they're at fourth position now. Um, I mean, can it reignite a title challenge or is it already too late? For North Shipping? Yeah. This 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 season goes so diff so quickly that you can't, you know. I, I remember saying a few weeks ago they're the team to beat, and now they're, you know, seven points off it now. Um, Malmo really really gone to a different level in, in in the last sort of, you know, six seven weeks. Uh, went on a fantastic run, winning sort of what was it, eight in a row, I think. Um, so they're going to be hard to catch. I think they've just found a rhythm. Uh, they're playing very very well. I think. You know they will probably maybe have a little bit of a slump, but they've brought in some new, you know, new faces as well. They, they, in fairness to them, they're scoring a lot of goals. They're not conceding huge amount, only fifteen in sixteen games. My 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 thing with North Shipping is they concede too many goals. Um, even in this game, I, th I don't think they control games well enough. Uh, one thing, you know, in this game they were two 0 up and cruising, uh, and then all of a sudden they were hanging on at one point. Um, I think. Tactically, they just don't they don't have that kind of ability uh, of a sort of a Mourinho type thing in the old days where they can just kill a game once they get a one goal lead or you know a two goal lead or even that kind of thing. Or I don't think they manage games well enough. So um, from that point of view, no, I'd say no. Um, but you know, on the flip side, they've got some really good players. Uh, I think player for player, they're one of the best teams in Osvenskan. You know, I think they got in every position they got really sort of top two or three in the league type players you know they've just brought back Linus Valkvist uh, who, who's who's um who left the league a few years ago went to Germany and he's come back now he played in a fantastic cross for the second goal he's a right back who who is um you know really good player at this level I think he went to Dresden he is a really good player in his position you know Rasmus Lauritsen one of the top centre backs in the league this season without a doubt um the midfield has been a little bit creaky of late Simon Tern and Franson, I think, uh, you know, a little bit flaky maybe at times. Uh, Haksabanovic, he was benched today. So, you know, he, he's, 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 um, he's been replaced, but he's been replaced with Isaac Bergman Johannesson, who we'll, we'll talk about shortly. Um, Pontus Alnqvist as well up front has, is looking really lively. He's come into the team. Um, they've got Linus Hellenius now, who, who used to be at Kisunsvall. Um So they've got a lot of good players, but I just think the game management is a, is mm. a little bit worrying for them. I think I, I like Jurgarden the way they manage games more than I do Norshipping, even though they've scored ten more goals than than Jurgarden. Um, so from that point of view, I think seven points with fourteen games to go is a, it's a it's a big ask. They're going to have to go on a big run. Yeah, the game management um, for DIF, and uh, maybe that's an an example where the the dual management team. Uh, actually helps them out, you know, two heads are better than one sort of thing. Uh, it always seems that they're pretty good tactically, doesn't it, uh, Jorgan? But uh, anyway, let's just cast our minds back to the Asvenskan season preview. I don't you may remember that episode, uh, Jonathan. And every year we do our 10 players to watch. Um, I was actually just looking back at some of my names and one of the players that I had down has actually already left the league in Norway. It's a corny exit, has got to he only started one match. <laughs> a shocking uh, 10 player to watch but anyway um one of your players to watch was isaac bergman johannesson from of uh, norshipping and um 
we're actually gonna he's obviously come on so much we're actually gonna be doing a player in focus episode on him here so take it away uh from about this uh, this guy yeah well yeah it's just, i mean i might ask you about a corny x at one point because that's a that's a bit of a strange one but um well where do i begin with this player was have you ever been steve to sutton coalfield ah uh, that's someone at birmingham right i don't think i have it is indeed it is indeed and it has a you know according to wikipedia it has a very active arts community uh it is located it's a suburban town in birmingham seven miles northeast of birmingham city bordering little aston and erdington uh historically it's in warwickshire but it became part of birmingham and the west midlands in 1974. Uh, it's a parish town became a parish town council for the first time in history in 2015 and yeah you know it's a a nice place places of interest sutton park uh you might be wondering why am i going on about sutton coalfield some random small town in the middle of england well the reason i'm going on about it is because that is the birthplace of isaac bergman johannesson now you think to yourself game cap for england now <laughs> yeah you think to yourself you know what what is this uh, exotic name uh what is this player you know the, the sort of players who were b- born in sutton coalfield range from barry bannon to uh christoph berra former Wolves player uh those kind of people players of note anyway notable residents sorry i mean but uh yeah you've got you've got isaac bergman johannesson now the reason is because and i mentioned it on the on the preseason uh podcast his, his dad played in the premier league and of course um so he was born in Sutton coalfield and and of course he's technically like you say eligible for england although i think iceland will have something to say about that but yeah this is a, a big player steve and i think it's about time we spoke about him um because he's, ha- he's having a bit of a breakout season um in Osvenskan, as i'd sort of mentioned in in the preseason pod and i think it's about time now that we we did talk about him in a, in a bit more depth definitely yes um i thought it was gonna be like a geography lesson for a minute there <laughs> it was wasn't it and nordic football podcast geography um <laughs> sutton coldfield in england but uh anyway well, tell us a bit more about the player and what is his main position or positions and uh, his main standout qualities so far this season yeah so he he's made uh, quite a lot of appearances this season and um probably more than you, you might have expected he, he's a left-footed player uh he can play on either wing um, been deployed often on the left wing um, but can also play on the right hand side uh and also can play center midfield i think for the u teams of of, of of iceland he's been deployed as an attacking midfielder he's only 17 uh he's still you know developing growing um but he, he's been praised for his mentality now jonathan levi in pre-season said he's the most dedicated young player he's seen a teenager he's seen he said the mentality of the player his, his desire to improve um is exceptional and that caught my eye of course at the time but uh yeah he's the son of joey goodjohnson and as i mentioned there he's you know he played in the premier league uh so he comes from decent football stock even his grandfather was a, a footballer um and yeah, his you know position-wise, plays on the left. Now this is a player who's got a really good left foot on him. Uh, he's got a couple of goals now in Osvenskan, and I have to say, I don't know if anyone watches Alan Partridge uh, or um, he used to watch the Day to Day with Alan Partridge. He used to be a, the, the sports reporter on the Day to Day, one of my favourite shows. But uh, to quote Alan Partridge, he's got a foot like a traction engine. 
because his goals, the two left-footed strikes and one against Helsingborg were absolute rockets. Um, smashes it into the net, giving keepers no chance. Uh, really, really good left foot on him. The, the sort of the way he drifts into the box lay, you know, when he plays in central positions for the, for the U teams, I've seen. Um, it reminds me a little bit of Frank Lampard in, in a way. The, uh, I know you won't like that name, but uh, Steve as a Leeds fan. But uh, you know the way he drifts late into the box, he, he's got really good timing about his runs. When he plays on the wing, I mean, he's the second best player in Osvenskan, uh for dribble success percentage, sixty-eight point four percent dribbles completed at this moment in time. Um, so. He's putting up good stats uh, at such a young age already. And it was noteworthy today against uh, EF Core that Haksavanovic was benched and Bergman Johansson started. Um, he laid on two assists, set up the first goal for Almquist with a beautiful uh, pass on that left foot, played him through, uh, and played another assist for Jonathan Levi, the man who's been so praiseworthy about him. So there's a lot to like about Bergman Johansson. I know that Norwich shopping fans are really excited about this player. He's recently penned a new contract. So, um, you know, there are scouts watching him, that's for sure. Uh, and we'll see how long he'll be in Osvenskan. But he is a really, really exciting player and definitely one you should watch. No doubt, uh, Genk, Ghent and Elect have all been notified of his progress, <laughs> um, as per usual. But, I mean, he sounds like a hell of a young uh, talent there. That, uh, I mean, I would love to see some of these guys last for at least a couple of seasons in the Osvenskan. And it's kind of sad that... I always end up asking you that sort of question. How long can they keep it for? So uh, I will have to ask you it again. But uh, have, you, have you been surprised how quickly he's burst onto the scene? Yeah, definitely. I've been surprised uh, by how well he's done in the sense of, you know, what, you just said it there about our our, um, our players to watch. It's always, when you pick in 10, it's always slightly speculative, right? It could go well, it could go badly. And I think it's... Scandinavia you've got two challenges the first one is making sure that they actually play games uh when you go for young players and the second one is making sure that they don't just get plucked up and and leave the league so quickly like you just said um you know I picked quite a lot of young players in my list this season and at 17 he was one that I wasn't that worried about I had a feeling he would definitely break through and get some games just from the, the sort of noises I heard about him but I'm surprised at how well he's playing I have to say the, the way he takes the ball in possession um, the way he breaks lines, the way his passing is really, really intelligent in the, in, in the passes he makes. Um, you know, in terms of through balls, like I say, just weight of pass, knowing when to release the ball and that kind of thing. You, you don't tend to see that in a 17-year-old. You know, usually it's kind of you're very wasteful. I, I remember watching Cristiano Ronaldo at, at 18 years old. Uh, and I'm not trying to say this player is anything like Ronaldo. But, but I remember Ronaldo at 18 was so raw. You know, his end, he was an unbelievable dribbler, but his end product was really lacking for a good two, three, four years at Man United. Um, and I remember players like Roy Keane used to get frustrated with him because, you know, he would he would always, you know, it took him a while before he started playing the right passes at the right time. One thing about Bergman Johansson I've noticed is he, he plays those passes at the right time. He knows when to pick a pass and that, that shows maturity. That is a hell of a skill, the quality to have at such a young age, I must say. It, yeah, it really is. And, 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 and it's rare. And I think, you know, from what I've, you know, like I said, Levi praising his maturity and that kind of thing, he, he seems like a really driven, not that I know him personally or anything, but he seems like a really driven character. You know, he seems to really want to improve and, and, and get better. Um, like I said, he was re rewarded with a new contract just a few weeks ago, uh, a contract extension, I think, till 2023, I believe. Um, but yeah, the manager praised him. He said he's, he's, 
fantastic that he wants to stay with us. Uh, he's an exceptional player who every day t- learns and he wants to achieve success. And he, he says that everything you know, he's got everything in his power to become as good as he be- can become. It's, it's a pleasure to work with Isaac, he said. Um, yeah, and he's also, I think he's got five assists now in the league in total. So this is a player who, you know, he's doing big things at this moment in time, definitely worthy of player in focus. Uh, and I know that we've had a lot of people listening to the show recently, you know, work, working within football, just from our follower list, doesn't it, Steve? We've had a lot of mm. new followers and that kind of thing listening. I'm pretty sure people will be flocking to watch this player and, and you wouldn't be wasting your time. Yeah, it's funny that my player in focus later on is like the opposite in terms of final decision and stuff like that. Um, but just before we move on, I don't want to end on a negative note or anything, but what about weaknesses for this player that he needs to work on? Um, well, consistency is the first thing. You know, the, you know. I think one of the things I've learned, and, you know, obviously through, through Just Football as well, you know, I've been working on youth development and kind of, um, you know, player scouting, that kind of thing for quite a long time. And I think one of the things I've, I've learned is do not get too overexcited about players. You know, I remember being, it was only about a year ago when I was at Chelsea Malmo. Um, you remember, Steve, we, we did a live feed on Periscope. Yeah. <laughs> you remember that? I was at Stamford Bridge. And uh, I remember that day, Callum Hudson-Odoi was like all the rage. Everyone was going on about him. Do you remember? You know, the Chelsea youngster. Yeah. If you look at him now, people talk about him like he's, like he's failed his career or something. I mean, he's only 19, I think. Um, but a year has gone and people are acting as if he flop is a flop. You know, you you need to give young players time and 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 let them learn. You know, Bergman and Henderson, you, you might go and watch him. He's not he won't be the finished article. And even if you come back to me in three years' time, he's not going to be the finished article. He'll be twenty. You know, so you you know you need to give players time to develop. He, he of course he'll make mistakes, um, like any young player. You, you know, I think sometimes there's a bit of a rush in, in, in scouting and, and in these kind of uh football you know, blogs and Twitter and that kind of thing. Sometimes you, you, you overhype players too much and uh, that adds pressure to them that is a, is a bit unnecessary. Yes, he's a very exciting talent, but he has a long way to go to become a, even a first-team regular at North Shopping. You know, he's not even close to being a, a first-team regular. I remember last season with Benjamin Negrin as well. You know, even though he was doing unbelievably well and I was really raving about him, there were games where he was he did nothing. You know, there were games where he was poor and, and Bergman Johansson will have games where he does nothing. And they'll have games where he's poor, but um, uh, you know, th- there's a lot that he'll have to learn. I think the main things probably will just be getting used to the league, like I said, that consistency. But really, at the moment, in terms of what his level and compared to his experience, there's not much you can really criticize um, from that point of view. So, a long way to go for him, but but so far he's been almost flawless, really, in terms of what he's done. Well, there's a name for you to keep an eye out there for. Isaac Bergman Johansson at uh, North Shipping. So, uh, well, let's round out a couple more things before we finish talking about the uh, Alcivenskan section. And uh, down the bottom, I mean, Helsingborg, we're going to have to talk about them again because, I mean, another pretty big club, really, in Swedish terms, right? I think, did they win the title in something like 2011, 2012, uh, around that sort of time anyway? Big club. They've had... Bad periods, uh, the relegation and promotion back up there. The bottom of the table on goal difference right now. Um, what is going wrong with, with with this? They should be higher, surely. Yeah, really worrying times for them. Uh, mixed disc group got on the score sheet today. So uh, Americans will be uh, happy with that one. Blue moon, was it? And fans, fans of uh, hair bands will be very happy. And caps, I think he has a sort of a side hustle selling caps, branded caps. But uh, 
no, they're in a bit of trouble. And uh, it's quite a funny story, to be honest, from the game today. They lost to Sirius, quite quite heartbreaking for Helsingborg fans. Last minute um, goal they conceded. But uh, their cap, their captain, Andreas Gwengfist, who was also captain of Sweden, don't forget, called the Sirius players. And this is a direct quote, so please uh, excuse my language here. A bunch of fucking clowns. <laughs> Uh, after the game, and that was because he he criticised them for celebrating. Now, Grand Chris has cut quite a sort of forlorn figure this season. Like I said to you, you know, he's a he's a one of the you know you might remember World Cup 2018. He was one of the leaders of Sweden. You know, when they they made that nice run all the way quite deep in the in the tournament. Um, but he's cut quite a frustrated figure this season. Got quite annoyed about a lot of things, just because his team's been playing pretty badly. Um, and yeah, he was fuming about the game. He came out and said, go into the locker room and celebrate, you fucking clowns. Um, because the serious players couldn't get into the dressing room. The door was locked. And so they were celebrating in the corridor after the match. And uh, Grangfist, you know, grumpy Grangfist didn't like that and had a bit of a go at them. Um, the manager, Henrik Riestrom, came out of serious and said that my players have done nothing wrong. They were just, they weren't, they weren't rubbing it in. They were just a bit exuberant, you know, and the locker room was shut. And he said, I'm sure that that's, what happened. that's what's happened before. Axel Bjornström came out and said, I'm sure that Sweden have done similar things when they were doing so well in the World Cup. So a bit of a flare up there, uh, a bit of banter and controversy. In here, Sirius have just done the double over them in the space of four days. What's that all about in terms of the fixture list? But, uh, they do, they reverse it straight away. They're not a bad side though, Sirius, to be fair, are they? We don't really talk about them too much, but they're not a bad side. Um, but yeah, bad uh, bad times for um, for Helsingborg down there. Got an interesting match coming up next against IE Core, who we we talked about their problems in the in the most uh, recent podcast. So uh, that is a right battle, isn't it, between two giants that are struggling at the moment? But uh, yeah, well, I mean, just to just to finish on with Helsingborg, I mean, uh, there's big pressure on Olaf Milberg, and um, you know, for anyone who likes sort of nicely coiffed beards, he's he's, he's got a lovely beard. The former Aston Villa centre back, you may remember him, but uh, he's under big pressure now for his job, I think. He's uh, he, even he's come out and said it. You know, I need to I need to improve basically, and it's slightly worrying times. But they're, they're not that bad in terms of expected goals. You know, they're actually sixth from bottom in terms of expected goal, uh, seventh from bottom in terms of expected goals against, um, and expected goals. They're, they're not in the bottom three. They're they're fourth from bottom, which is not great. But um, they need to pick it up quickly. I mean, they've got a young squad and um, no money, so it's a bit of a struggle for them at the moment. But um, yeah, tough times. Yeah, I do like a good beard. There's a, there's a guy I follow on uh, Twitch streamer. He's a Scottish football expert. And he's got a magnificent, magnificent beard. I mean, if you get one growing nice, they're, they're a bloody asset, aren't they, to have, I must say. But um, yeah, I do like a good one. But um, anyway, just round off this uh, Swedish section. Transfer window. What's the latest there? Uh, do you know what the dates are for this window, Jonathan? Any, any action? Yeah. It's open. It's open till the 29th of uh, July, I think. So we haven't got too much longer till it till it slams shut, as Jim White would say. Uh, there's been a few deals already. Um, AIK have brought in a couple of players, in fact, today. Um, they've brought Satirius Papagenopoulos, who's come back from uh, Ostersunds. He was at uh, FC Copenhagen, didn't really work out from there, and he, he's come back to Sweden. Did really well for for sort of like Graham Potter and Ian Birchnell, uh, centre-back, much needed. They need defensive reinforcements. AIK are in massive crisis at the moment even worse than of course in terms of closer to the relegation zone so a bit of defensive help has come in Satirius Papaginopoulos and they've also signed a player who I don't know much about I'll be honest Bojan Radulovic who is a, a striker I believe 
and he's come in, signed the deal until 2023, only 20 years old. Uh, he's been described as a player with great potential, um, according to the sports manager, Hen- Henrik Aurelius. Uh, he's played in a few teams abroad. I think he played in Spain as well. Uh, like I say, I don't know much about this player, so if anyone does, then let me know. Um, you know he had a trial, I think, with Brighton and Home of Albion, or he was at Brighton and Home of Albion even for a while, the 23s, but didn't didn't feature that much. Um, so, yeah, one to watch maybe up front. But, uh, yeah, the, the window's open. Linus Hellenius played today. Uh, obviously, he was signed, uh, coming back from Cyprus, and there's a few deals going on. EF Corp signed a few players. Yeah, there's, there's, there's deals happening. Um, I think the big question is who will leave. And if we do see players leaving, then, you know, that could have a big bearing. Uh, you mentioned Sirius. Quite a few of their players are being looked at right now. Uh, Stefano Vecchia had an incredible season so far. Um, so I think the big question mark is who can Svenskan teams keep as well as who can they sign? Mm. Yeah, the clock is ticking, <laughs> as Jim White would say. And the clock is ticking down on this uh, first part of the uh, episode. Um, we're going to have a bit of a break now. Uh, but join us after for uh, our Elita Serian talk. I've got a player in focus from Rosenborg that you might be interested in about. We'll catch you again in a tick. Welcome back to the Nordic Football Podcast. After a short break, we are going to move on to Norway now. And uh, we just had a bit of off-camera reminiscing there about uh, every Anton on Gaillard, the team from 2011, a French team. And uh, yeah, we were reminiscing about uh, Pierre Bouby. He was a, a good player back in the day at uh, every Absolutely unrelated. Uh, yeah, we used to be we used to be French analysts, didn't we, Steve? And, uh, used to work on the French league. But uh, we've moved to Scandinavian parts now. We're going to start off with a question about Mulder. Because as I look at the table, they are seven points behind Buda Glimt. Now, is that a shock? And they've actually played a game more. So Buda Glimt with a win could go you know, well clear of them. Um, ten points even. What, what are your thoughts, Steve? Well, now let's start with Mulder on this, on this section. Um, what's been happening? Yeah, we certainly have some interesting half-time uh, team talks, don't we, sometimes? <laughs> Random. Um, indeed, but uh, yeah, Molder. I mean, this has really caught me off guard, to be honest with you. They um, obviously they lost a big head-to-head match against Buda Glimpse at the time of uh, when they played each other. I think they were both sides were unbeaten, and uh, I think it's, it, it, that has kind of hit Molder's confidence a bit. Um, and they just really struggled away from home, especially. And you would not expect them to lose at Sandefjord and Sarpsborg. And then they uh, they had a kind of a freak home loss against Bran at home. At that stage, Matt and Bran were managerless. They hadn't won in Mulder um, since 2006. And Mulder had gone two calendar years, effectively, without losing at home in, in the league. So it was, in terms of head-to-head, it was a complete shock result, wasn't it? But look... You know, last year I gave the manager a lot of praise for rotating the squad and, you know, I was like, it was a big risk to do that, but it was paying off. This time it hasn't worked. Like, it feels like there's not enough cohesion in the team. Um, It's chopping and changing too much. Injuries haven't helped them at all. Let's just say that, especially the defence. But if you were trying to predict that 11 each week, 
It'd be a nightmare job. You ain't, you're not getting bloody nine out of 11 correct, let alone 10 or 11, mate, because it's, uh, it's, a, it's a disaster in terms of that. It's very random in, in terms of who plays. They always keep it quite quiet over who's uh, sort of picking up knocks and niggles as well. So a collection of things have not helped them. You would still think the quality um, on paper would, would have been enough to beat the likes of Sanderfjord Sartsport, but they look quite bang average in some of these away games right now. It's very concerning. I'm, I'm not as worried about their home form. Like I say, it was a bit of a freak loss. It's just away from home, they suddenly look vulnerable, especially against sides who can defend well and just kind of use their head a bit, like sit deep a bit like Sanderfield and Sartsborg have done. So it's worrying times for Molder. They're seven points off the top, and Buda Glimt have got a game in hand. What a what a fantastic opportunity for the team from Northern Norway to, to win the gold medal. Yeah, I mean, looking at looking at uh, Molder's sort of expected goals against there, they are way sort of down there, really, relative to their position in the table. They're actually doing worse than Christiansen, Odd, Rosenborg, Sartsborg, Haugesson and Buda Glimt for expected goals against. So it seems like, is that that the key area for them that they're, they're just, you know, just tailed off a little bit uh, from that point of view? Yeah, and, and this started right back at uh, the start of, uh, pre of the season, back in uh, June, where Christopher Harrell's side, the right back, was uh, went down with an ACL injury, literally right on the eve of the first resumption of fixtures. Now, Harrell's side is a big player for them. He's just a solid sort of, right back who, who, who does a bit of everything, you know, but I think especially he was strong from a defensive point of view and they, they've not really replaced him. They've sort of gone with Marcus Holmgren, Pedersen and sometimes uh, Henry Wingo. I mean, need, for me, neither of those players are good enough for that role yet. Or, or in Wingo's case, he, he's more of a right winger, if I'm being brutally honest. They're young as well. And um, so that's been a problem. They've had left-back issues. Christopher Hagen was out for a while. Martin Bjornback is the latest injury, the key centre-back for them. It's like he was the one linchpin who was fit all the time and he's gone down lame. So, I mean, I've had, I've been a little bit impressed with John Kitalano at times at left-back, but I always feel like he's, again, he likes to bomb forward too much. So, uh, yeah, the, the defensive issues is where the main problems lie. But then there's also this mega rotation in attack and midfield. And this might be a rare example where like having a big squad is a disadvantage. You know, you got to keep players happy, but from one week to another, you don't know who you're playing with. Uh, you got they got Lecky James and Ui Oimowanfa, who last season they played together in the same team a few times. But it seems this year it's either one or the other, and I get that because neither of them are really wingers. As such Ui can play out there, but it's like you're always going to have one big weapon on your bench. You need to somehow get them in the same team again. It's, a collection of woes adding up, and um, I think we'll look back at the end of the season. I still think they'll finish second at worst. Um, and we'll look back at this phase and think this is where they lost the gold medal if they don't win the title. Yeah, I mean, as, as you just rightly pointed out, there's a massive opportunity for Buda Glimt now. You know, 10 points clear halfway through the season. That is that is some advantage. Um, you just identified it there. For those who maybe don't watch the league as much, is Magnus Wolf Eichmann still the main man there, or is he? Is he maybe is his, is his influence wane slightly? Uh, one reason I asked that: Molder don't have a single player in the top ten goal scorers this season. I mean, they got Oe. Okay, he's joint tenth, um, six goals. They got Hussein as well, six goals, but uh, Lecky James six goals as well. But then no one in the top top nine, ten. Um, are you surprised by that? And yeah, what is the influence of, Le of uh, Magnus Wolf for those who, who don't follow as much? 
No, he's still one of the top three players in the league when he's uh, on song. But the problem is he's he's a very fragile player. You got to wrap him in cotton wool. Um, even last season, he very rarely would play more than seventy-five minutes in a game. Um, so he's obviously stamina, natural fitness, and that isn't that great. Uh, plus the um, the chance of him getting injured, and, and, and they have to, he's the one player I can't really knock the manager for the way that he's he's dealt with him um, because the matches came thick and fast. You were playing midweek, Saturday, etc. Um, and even one round at Sandefjord away game, they actually rested him out completely. It was like um, it was just too much was adding up on it on him, and they had to take him out of the team. So the minute he doesn't feel like he's he's got as much of an influence on the games, he doesn't feel like he's in a physical a great condition maybe that will change now the games are generally just once a week or they're molder involved in europe uh, soon as well which won't help them in that regard um so in terms of right current form at the moment he's not as much of a factor um but obviously when he's on song he's still top class um but uh yeah it's been uh he's not had enough time to influence games because it's just lack of minutes yeah, and for those who are just wondering, the top top three goal scorers in the league at the moment are Hombert, Arul, Aaron Fridjonsson of Arlesund uh, with 10 goals. Then you've got Amal Pellegrino of Christiansund, 11 goals, joint with Kasper Juncker of Buda Glimt with 11 goals as well. So that's the top three just for those who are wondering. Steve, you've, we've got European games this week. Uh, Mulder are one of the teams in action. They're playing Finnish side, I believe. What's your outlook on that? I mean, are you? Do, is their form? Does their form give cause for concern from a European point of view as well, or you know, are they going to be pumped up for that Champions League game? Um, I have to look in detail. I think it's just one leg, and I think they have the. They're at home for it. I do believe. Yeah, they are. No, anyway, and I mean that, that's that's good for Molde because the, the, there's a big difference between their home form and away form right now, and they're very comfortable in the, in their own surroundings, and they have been for for a long time. And that includes European matches that they've done in the last couple of years as well. I have to say, embarrassingly, I don't know much about the Finnish league right now. I would love to know more about it. I feel like, you know, it's a Nordic football podcast. They're crying out loud. We shouldn't know more about it, shouldn't we? Um, but I don't know much about Cups. Uh, Kupio, I think, is the city that it's from. I don't know really what sort of standard that league is right now. So I, I certainly don't want to disrespect them, but um, you would think... The, the champions of, of Norway should be getting a win at home against the champions of Finland. It's just the way it is. Um, but um, it probably suits Molde. It's just one leg because the, the, they don't want to be travelling around at the minute. Um, they've got injury problems. It's the sort of match they'll probably win something like they won't keep a clean sheet probably. Um, so if Kupio have got a decent sort of attackers, then they can maybe take advantage. I don't think it will cost them in this particular round. I think after that, they would play Dundalk of Ireland or a Slovenian team, um, which would give them... I mean, that sounds winnable, doesn't it? But uh, if they're if they're going to go deep in any of these uh, qualifiers, even trying to make the Europa League eventually, um, then the defence... They need Martin Bjorn back to return. I think he's due back probably the start of September, I think. So that would be a big uh, injury to, to, to return. Yeah, and luckily for you, my trusted friend, uh, we do have a little bit of a Finnish analysis for you, just very, very briefly. Well, I wouldn't call it analysis, but uh, just a brief overview. Uh, the players to watch out for, probably for uh, Cups. I think I don't know if they, you, I don't know if you can call them that abbreviated, but that's how you. That's the literal spelling. The second in table at the moment in in Finland, behind uh, Inter Turku, three points behind. Uh, they have the joint second top scorer in the league is Ilmari Niskanen, a 22-year-old, looks like a wide player. 
potentially. And uh, they have the top assist provider as well by the name of Urho Nisila. Now, it'll be a yeah, big test, Norway v Finland. We'll see how they get on. But um, there's one or two players maybe to watch out for if you're, if you're a Molder fan and you're going to be tuning in for the game. Let's move on from Molder now. Uh, good analysis there, Steve. Thank you. And it looks like they're in a little bit of, you know, choppy waters. But let's move to a team that you want to talk about this week, kind of a team in focus. And it's going to be odd. Yeah, it's about time they got a bit more airtime, really, on this podcast, to be honest, Odd. Um, it feels like they, uh, even even the last couple of years under Fagermo, they, 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 we didn't really talk about them enough. But I feel like they're doing so well that we can't ignore them now. They're, they're absolutely on fire. They've won uh, something like six of the last eight games or six of the last seven, including the last five straight. They're third in the table. Uh, and this is a team that most pundits pre-season were not writing them off as such, but I think the general consensus was they're going to go down to mid-table. They've lost a long-standing manager. The squad quality is not as good. Um, it just felt like a real down year for Odd, and I think we've got to give them a lot of credit for, for what they've done so far. The, the manager is uh, Jan Frodo Nornes, who was the assistant manager under Fagoma for many a year. So he knows he knows the club really well. I think he's used the um, his knowledge to great effect. It's clear the players uh, respect him. Um, he knows the players really well, and uh, it's one of them sort of uh, internal takeovers, um, managers stepping up. Um, that's worked really well. It's a good example of, of where how that can actually work in football rather than bringing some randomer from the outside who knows nothing about your club. Um, but so far, it's done really well for us. Yeah, I mean, they finished fourth last season and ninth the season before. What what makes you, uh, you know, want to talk about them? You know, they're currently doing pretty well, as you said. They're in good form. What's the outlook for them this season in terms of pre-season expectations what, compared to where they are now? Um, you know, what was the maybe what was the plan? They're currently third in the table, uh, as you said, four points clear of Rosenborg at this present moment, and three points behind Molde with a game in hand. What are they overachieving, or is that about expected? Or you know, what what's the expectations are? I think the expectations pre season from the media and probably their own fans were mid table. I mean, it was fully expected that Togia Bourbon was going to move on from the club at some point, and he did to, to Rosenborg. Um, so that was a big factor in, and uh, a lot of the question marks were going to be who are they going to replace Turgut Bervin with? And they've brought in Mushiga Bakengo, who I've been often be very skeptical about, but I'm actually actually going to give him a bit of praise in this analysis because he's been scoring some goals recently. I, I'm going to dig some stats out here from Wide Scout. And what odd are, odd are they're a really good rounded club, they're fourth in expected goals, they're fifth best in terms of expected goals against. They're third in terms of average possession in the league with 55.9%, which is quite high, really. Um, they're third in shots against. I mean, I think it's always a good thing if you're, if you're limiting the shots against you in, in a game. Uh, and by the way, Sanderfield are actually second uh, for that, surprisingly, uh, in shots against. <coughs> doing something right, aren't you, if you're limiting um, opportunities against you? They're fourth highest in the PPDA, which is effectively um, pressing so um that's one of their styles they're quite uh quite energetic and they're, they're putting uh, good pressure on on the opposition they've got a good mix of sort of uh, experience and youth now in the side i've always felt this is in my mind if you were to ask me the question in terms of average age of the of the, of the team i would have them as one of the older sides but they're actually third youngest team in the league 
um, an average age of 24.3. So uh, only Strong's Godset and Buddha Glimt uh, average uh, younger there. So um, there's a lot more youthful legs in the side, which are clearly helping them. But there's some older dogs like Espen Rue. I mean, he's 36 now, but he's still getting the job done at right back. Stefan Hagen, 34-year-old centre-back. He's an absolute rock. It's, if he's going to ask me, you know, who are the best centre-backs in the league so far this season? Stefan Hagen would have to be in, in the in the top five ranked. Very consistent side. Um, so a lot of good things going around for Rod. It's really all good all-round side. You know, you wouldn't say they're relying on one individual or anything like that. But um, fair play to them. Um, I think they've got a good thing going right now. Yeah, there's a lovely video on their Twitter account, uh, actually, from their 2-1 win. Uh, in their most recent game against Christiansen, them celebrating in the dressing room. You know, I don't see much social distancing going on, but a lot of togetherness, you know, really looks like a really good team spirit, a manager or coaches dancing around. And it looks like it's good vibes for Odd at the moment. You know, they're third at the moment. Can we expect European football for them or are you, are you expecting a dip? Well, they missed out on getting European football in the, the last game of last season. They lost when I think just a point would have been enough for them. So that was gutting. Um, you kind of hope that they, they managed to get into that top three this time, really, don't you, a little bit? But, uh, I mean, the big question mark was always going to be striker. And Turga Bourbon was the top scorer in the league last year. He'd already scored four or five before he left the Rosenborg this term. They replaced him with Mushiga Bakengo, who's got a bit of an interesting history. He was Rosenborg, he was at Tromso, Ranheim even last season. I've got to be honest, he's not a striker that I've ever really rated too much. I always felt there was too many down sort of cons with him in terms of either physically has got an injury or you know, he just doesn't seem clinical enough in front of goal he's a sort of striker you feel that he needs three or four chances to put the ball into the back of the net but initially they, they just use him as a bench option um, substitute for the first five games he started the last four and he's actually scored some goals recently some big ones as well he got the winner in a, a one nil victory at Starbeck away a really good header from a corner and uh, he scored again against Christiansen, a good uh, sort of poacher's goal uh, from a cross. And, uh, you know, I actually like what I've seen from Bukenga recently. Fair play to him. If he can keep that up, then I think it just shows that there must be something about the odd squad that's really helped him gain confidence and integrate really well. Maybe it was wise just to use him as a substitute initially and, and sort of bed him in. Again, good management, really. Elber Rashani has been moved to the left wing. He was always right wing under uh, Fagomo. Rashad is a two-footed technical wizard, really, and uh, he's starting to find some really good form, putting some lovely balls in. Um, like I said, that uh, defence is solid. They've got in the middle of the park, Joshua Kitalano is such a versatile player, can play pretty much anywhere, 18-year-old. Um, the Kitalanos, they can, I think there's like three brothers, they all play professional football, and um, he's added that youthful, energetic, aspect into the team marcus corsa i've talked about him before in the podcast odin biotov was one of my 10 to watch he started every game um for them so yeah that good mixture of youth and experience i think there's a good environment and you know what odd i feel like i've underestimated them a bit um this season i think they'd, they'd look at banker to finish in the top five to me it's just a question of exactly how high yeah and it seems like you know there was some skepticism around their their manager wasn't it and and, and just generally odd in general um you're happy with the end for Odon Nornis, are you, in general, you know, just to, to sum it up? Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm happy with him. You know what? He doesn't make a song and dance about anything. You know, some managers trying to make it about him. Um, and, and it's for good reason as well. Mourinho was good at that, wasn't he, back in the day, deflecting 
sort of attention on him off the players. Um, but you never really hear too much from Ganford and Nunes. He just gets on with the job. He's pretty light-hearted, I think, and, and easygoing. And um, do you know what I mean? He, he's one of them managers that just kind of goes, floats under the radar a little bit, actually, when really he's doing a, a very good job so far. Um, like I said, he knows this squad really well. Um, clearly, he's used that knowledge uh, to good effect. And uh, I think he, his man management's, man management's been really good. His tactics, he's kept it at 4 3 3. They've always been 4 3 3 for years. So that's not impacted it. it I must be said, they've, they've generally had injuries go their way, apart from Tobias Lauritsen's broken his leg, um, a right winger, sort of attacker. Uh, striker who were uh, and they've had uh, Frederick Semberger, one of the centre backs, has been out all season. Apart from that, they've had no problems in that regard. They've got quite a small squad, so if some of these older dogs did suddenly go down again, then they might have issues. But um, so far, so good for Rod, and uh, you know, well done to them. If you were to name, let's say, outside of the Buddha Glimp coach, because I think that probably is, I suspect, maybe your first pick. Who, who, who are the top coaches in Elite Seven? Where, really like, where does Nornis rank, and who are the sort of top three or four? I really like Christian Mickelson at Christiansen. Um, he's uh, he's been fantastic since he got them promoted here. But he plays with a certain style. He doesn't like the ball too much. They're always they're always they've always been the bottom three in terms of possession. Very counter attack based. So could he switch to say a bigger club that demanded a more possession based tactic? I don't know. Uh, but you can only find out, can't you? But he's brilliant, I think, um, in, in so many ways. So uh, Christian Mickelson is up there for me. I suppose you'd have to include uh, Henrik Pedersen at Strom's good, sir. I really like him. Um, for Gomo is a very experienced coach at Volarenga. Those are the sort of names that uh, you, you, you want to put in there, really, uh, at this point in time. Um, and then there's sort of managers that like uh, Vega Hansen and Mjöndalen who've never had much to work with. So, um, yeah, Mickelson for me, I think Frodo known as it's, it's too early to say we've only seen him in management for three months. Um, but so far, so good with him. He, he could be one of these guys that, um, you know, just turns out to be really good. But, uh, yeah, I, I like uh, Jesse Lukanudson at Buda Glimpton, Christian Mickelson at, uh, at Christiansen. I really, I'm a big fan. Good stuff. And then we're going to move on to... Well, you just mentioned Mjöndal in there. Would you like to talk about them now, or do you want to move on to the player in focus? Oh, we'll do the player in focus now. Actually, forgetting Marty Sifuentes at Sanderfjord, who's been amazing uh, there this year so far. He, he's top quality, the Spaniard. Um, a fair play him. Now, we'll move on to the player in focus now. And uh, the uh, the lad that I'm going to be talking about is a Rosenborg youngster called Emil Conradson uh, Chaida, who... Um, is a very this is an interesting one. I'm not this isn't going to be uh like your sort of player in focus where there was a lot, a lot of positives to say and not too many negatives. This is more of a balanced sort of thing. <laughs> comes out of a, a tweet I did um a day or two ago, um, where I was actually criticizing him. And uh, I would part of me, before you get before you get into that, I mean, yeah, just for the listeners, when you did tell me you're uh, you're playing focus this week. I will just I will just say to the listeners that you did say that you you know you're not going to sugarcoat it <laughs> and uh, I'm a little bit on tenterhooks at the moment as to what's going to happen. Are you, are you just are you just about to pick out a player who you're going to focus on and trash him to pieces or uh, you know what's what's the deal here? I mean, who is this player? I mean, he's at Rosenborg. 
he's 18 years old as you said what what's the lowdown with this guy and uh, yeah like i'm gonna i'm clen- i've got clenched teeth at the moment just waiting for this uh section this is a complicated one and a delicate one because you know i don't want to go in too hard on this player but i think there are some negatives that have to be addressed with him as well uh, let's start off by saying he's only 18 year old he is 19 in september so let's call him effectively 19 right um anyway he is a talent that's sort of the last couple of years he's been talked about and i think last year he signed a, a new contract through to 2021 or 2022 and i on this very podcast has have said that rosenborg need to bring through more of their own youngsters again um if anything just for like the sheer passion that they're going to bring to the team um and, and i'm pleased that in, in that respect that they've given him enough game time mostly probably because samuel de benro has been injured by the way he wouldn't be first choice in, in that regard but he's a very he plays on the left wing basically he's an inside forward uh or inverted winger however you want to call that he's got a strong right foot on him prefers that um a reasonable left peg but um that's his sort of uh, position on the field um but there's there's a lot of positives to this player and there's a lot of negatives to, to this player and i've got some stats from uh, y scout coming up very soon um to back this up but uh but in general, this is something that's been building up. The amount of times I've uh, I watch a lot of reasonable games, I bet in a lot of reasonable games, often on them or needing goals from them. And the amount of times I've screamed at the screen to uh, or TV when I'm watching this player on the ball, like, I'm just saying, cross the fucking ball or shoot there or like there's been a horrible finish. And it's, it's just something that's consistently adding up. And in my experience, that is not a good sign. What, what what position does he does he play? Left wing. He's playing on the left wing as an inside forward sort of role. So he's cutting inside a lot. Now let's let's start with some positives for this player because the big one is dribbling, and he averages ten point six three dribbles per game, which is the highest in the whole Elitas area, right? And he has sixty eight percent, sorry, sixty two point eight percent success rate with dribbles. Now that is bloody good. Fair play. And that is his big strength. He has his fantastic ability one-on-one with a defender. And I'll be honest, sometimes I actually wonder how he does it. Um, I'm like, it feels like the defender's in a good position or he's not going to make anything of it. But it has this knack of just sort of getting by them, certainly to the byline and stuff. So he's really good um, in terms of the one-on-one dribbling. Not necessarily making him brilliantly technical, though. I think there are some technical flaws with the player as well but that, that's really good he has uh touches in the area 5.09 per game on average that's 12th um progressive runs he averages uh, fifth overall in the league for that and uh, in terms of that average progression of run it's quite high it's uh in terms of meters uh, he ranks one of the highest in the league for that he tends to uh, uh, advance the ball he, he's a player that often finds himself in in a lot of good space but um, when he gets there, there's some negatives that I'm going to talk about in a minute um, for, for this player. Yeah, and just a little bit of background about him. I mean, uh, quite a remarkable, um, not necessarily footballing story, but a human story. He, he, he's uh, of Haitian descent, and he, I'm reading that he fled Haiti just a, a few weeks or a week before the earthquake um, there, which is quite incredible, really, from a hu- human point of view. Um Discovered by the chief scout of Tranmere and, and went to a football school in Liverpool for a while as 12-year-old. 
And then uh, Tromsø wanted them, but didn't manage to get hold of him, and he ended up at, at Rosenborg. Yeah, you, you said that you know there's some positives there, and you've got a few negatives to point out. Just just before you do uh, answer that, Steve, what kind of player is he in terms of um, number of games? Is he someone who's become a first team regular there, or is he you know on the fringes, or what's you know what's his sort of status within the, within the squad and team? Well. Since Samuel Azimbenra got injured, he's he's become the starter in that left wing position. Rosenborg always play four three three. That is the way they play. So they have to have a left winger on the field or an inside forward. So he's taken over that spot. So right now, until Samuel's back fit, and actually he was on the bench um, at the weekend. So let's just see how it goes. Um, then he he's the starter. Um, so he's he's not lasting the full ninety minutes too often. He's generally getting subbed off about sort of sixty seventy minutes. Um, but that's his sort of uh, status within the squad right now. Quite good for an 18-year-old, nearly 19, I suppose, in that regard. It's good to see him get minutes. It's good to see him get minutes. But um, and, you, and you're right, there's a very interesting human story there as well uh, with, with the player. And, and he's Rosenborg through and through the lad. And you can tell he gives a lot to the team in, in terms of that. But, um, but you've got a bone to pick with him. Yeah, have a few bones, yeah. Um, <laughs> let's just start with... Uh, he hasn't actually scored a goal yet this season. Um, now I don't know about you, but if you, if you, he's had enough minutes on the field to have hit the back of the net. If you're playing four-three-three, you want goals not just from your striker, but you want goals from your wingers, right? At some point, and now he hasn't scored a goal. He's expected goals at one point three six, which is not that high, is it? I mean, that's worrying in terms of he should have scored at least once by now. And secondly, why is it not a bit higher? Um, you know, he feels like he. The problem is, right, this is a player that finds himself in a lot of good positions, either by receiving a pass, I think he's got a good spatial awareness, he finds good space, or like I said, beating this man one on one with dribbling and getting into great position. And then you find him in these positions, and it feels like when there's an obvious cross on, he either doesn't deliver the cross or the cross is not technically good enough. Or there's an alternative, a situation where you feel like this is, you've got to shoot now. Work a position, position to shoot. And either he then tries to pass it, or when he shoots, he's just not a good finisher. Now, I just don't think this player possesses... He's not silky enough technically. He's a little bit like a, a canoe back in. I mean, he's nowhere near the level of a canoe or anything like that. But he's, that's the sort of technical player he is. He's a big sort of lad and physical Um and I always prefer like a silkier sort of uh, technique like Samuel has there. And um, I think that lets him down. I almost wonder if his ceiling's a bit low, actually, in terms of the technique there. I mean, he could develop in, in that regard. But it infuriates me that the final decision or the final act in his, uh, you know, armoury there is just not good enough right now. It's very frustrating. I mean, he's played for Norway's under-19 side. He's played for, you know, as a Norwegian youth international. Um, likes to step over, that kind of thing. I mean, is your frustration, because I think with young players, it's pretty hard. I mean, it sounds like you've got, you know, some negative things to say about him. I wonder if that's more the manager's... Um, is, it, is it more kind of the squad, the fact that maybe he's not ready, actually, to be given the responsibility he, he, he maybe is having in the team? And is that does that highlight sort of maybe issues with Rosenborg's squad, or or does that highlight maybe issues with Rosenborg's management? I mean, is he being promoted above maybe his his level now, um, 
Or are you saying that it's sort of a, a player who's kind of been over, overhyped maybe? Are you, are you suggesting there's a lot of hype about this player and maybe he's actually not worth the hype? Um, what are you trying to say from that point of view? You know, because it's either, you know, a player 18 is never the finished article. So are you saying perhaps he should, you know, um, not be in the team as much as he is and that, that's an indictment on Rosenborg? Or are you suggesting that maybe he's been overhyped? Yeah, I mean, you may, you may come across as I'm stuck in no man's land a little bit with this analysis. And, and in a way, I am. But <laughs> we look at like 15.8% of his crosses have been accurate. Now, that, I think that's a shocking low percentage for crossing accuracy, right? Now, if you you need to be at least 30% plus, preferably near the 40% mark for accuracy. Yeah. Nowhere near. Let me put it like, before you carry on, let me just put it like this. I mean, what made you choose this player? Is it, is it is it is it because he's been is it because he's been hyped or, you know, what's what's the rationale behind it? Is it just a player that you feel is underperforming or what? Oh, because he's a he's a young talented player who probably has been um, perceived in some quarters as being the sort of his next big talent at times. Right. Maybe not so much this season, but sort of maybe last year. And there's been a couple of. Performances like he, he had a couple of assists against Salzburg in a five-one win, and I saw a few were raving about him. I get but, you. You know, I so, you're, so you're sort of saying that he's maybe been a little bit overhyped slightly by by certain quarters. Perhaps, yeah. And but and and I that's what I asked the question on Twitter. I'm like, I'm like, is he slightly overrated, perhaps, or, or not? I, I even can't make my mind up on this player at times either. I just think he's an interesting guy to talk about, like. We can probably look back on this in like five or six years' time and wonder where he is. I mean, I just, I'm not sure. I think his ceiling, I think he goes one of two ways. He either, he's a sort of player who could probably come up with one really good season at Rosenborg somewhere where he has inflated numbers and then he'll get a move to somewhere like Holland, Belgium, whatever. And I just think he'd go there. I just got a gut feeling he'd probably be found out and not be good enough and end up coming back to Norway. Alternatively, he could stay, probably sort of play at Rosenborg most of his career. And just be a very sort of a good elite Assyrian player down the years. That's how I see him. And um, some might see his ceiling a lot higher than me. But, uh, and it's still it's very young. You can't really, you've got to give him time, like you say. Um, but there's something that just, I say, there's enough bones that I want to pick with the player that <laughs> it's frustrating. I'm just not that confident he's ever going to be anything that great of an sort of elite Assyrian talent. It's awful to say that, isn't it? But at the same time, there are positives. Um, offensive duels, uh, won his second in that. He gives a lot, he's a very determined player. He gives a lot for the team. Passionate, clearly gives a lot for the club. And that is worth a lot in itself. It's good to see them giving minutes to, to these youngsters. The problem, is a problem, right? For a big, when you're a youngster at a big club, right? You, um, you need to be ready for that role right away because the spotlight is on you right from the start. And you've got to either you've got to swim straight away. You're thrown in the deep end, and you've got to swim pretty pretty instantly. You haven't got time to develop and bed in a big club like Rosenborg within there, within within Norway system. And um, at the minute, he's, he's shown enough, I think, to to deserve staying in the team. It's interesting to see how he'll he'll progress. It probably do him some good when Samuel's back, and they can sort of rotate game time. That the spotlight's off him less. Uh, I think he's been very good as a substitute when he's come on as well. And that might be his sort of thing. Yeah. Is he going to be an interesting player to to watch going forward? I don't. I don't want to. I may sound really harsh on this player. I don't want it to sound like that. If he's listening, yeah, honestly, I want him to like completely ignore me and just prove me wrong, please. 
and and become a really really good player because I would love to see that. But um, there's uh, there's a lot of sort of mixed things that I've, I've seen from him on the field. Well, nobody can ever accuse the Nordic football podcast of uh, you know just endless, endlessly hyping players. You know that's a, a fairly reasoned and uh, fair downbeat, even you could say, analysis of, of a player there. So keep an eye out for him, uh, Conradson Sider there, and you know if it, I think it's a. Uh, I think one thing I would just add to before we before we move on is yeah you're right if you sometimes players do get overhyped don't they and um, maybe this will be something that he can kind of use and and, move, and if he does listen to it you know maybe there are elements of his game he can he can work on and improve I I always think that if if a player's being criticised when they're that young it makes me question the manager straight away because if they're getting the responsibility in the team does that mean they they're either lacking in squad numbers or he's being played played more than he should be or that kind of thing. Um, but certainly, I'd love to hear views of of, of people uh, tweet us at Nordic Footpod if you agree with Steve or if you think you know maybe he's being a little bit harsh. And similarly with Bergmanni Anderson, if you think I'm being too too kind, you know maybe there are weaknesses and maybe I should, you know maybe I'm getting carried away. Feel free to tweet us and let us know your thoughts. It's an open forum on this podcast, and we are always happy to d- debate. I, 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 part of me almost feels I am being too harsh. I'll admit it myself. I'm really interested to hear what other people's opinions are. Of this player, um, yeah. I would love to see him work on his game, uh, especially that, um, that final ball. And, and somehow, I'd love to get that technique a little bit more silkier. And whether that could be learnt at Rosenborg, I'm not sure. It might need higher quality coaches uh, to do that. But I wish him well. Certainly, he's a really interesting player. Yeah, I mean, I think your I think your criticisms aren't maybe necessarily of the player. I think they're maybe of of, of where he is in terms of his status. So I think you know you you. you you're you're coming from it from a, from an honest place, you know. You're not you're not slamming players for no reason. You've always got a reason to kind of um, pick pick holes in their game, which is which is totally fair enough. You know. Let's move on to um, you wanted to talk about Mionda, and uh, if we look down the bottom. Yeah, and, and this is, this, yeah. This is an example where I've actually been proven right because um, I did say a couple of podcasts ago, don't worry about Mionda, and they will turn it around, give their guy Hansen time, and and they will uh, see the improvement in results, and they have done. They've, they've beaten uh, Hogerson 1-0 and they've beaten uh, Bran uh, 1-0. And um, I'm going to talk about the Bran match because I think it's fair to say they completely shithoused their way to this 1-0 victory away from home. Um, I mean, I was a, a Bran backer in terms of betting and I think half of the betting world was on Bran in this game. Uh, it was uh, Cora Inga Rickson's first game in charge for Bran. They appointed him as coach. Uh, I gave my thoughts on him in the last uh, episode. Interesting appointment. And there's a, there was a lot of hype about Brand, to be honest, uh, this game. Everyone presuming they're going to get this great win, his first match in charge. They just beat a Mulder away from home. It looked like a Brand banker, really. Mjørndal, for the second year in a row, they've gone to Bergen. And they've, they've kind of fluked a result. Last season, they got a nil-nil. And they didn't have a single shot in the game, let alone a shot on target. Jonathan, if you might remember that match. It was a ridiculous nil-nil. And they've kind of done the exact same here. They've had one shot on target and they've won the game 1-0. I don't know how Brandon score here, really. Um, they had It felt like they had enough dangerous opportunities. The goalkeeper, Makani, made a few good saves from Yandal. And, um, but you know what? Fair play to them. They, 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 they've come here, they've dug in, they've time-wasted as much as they can tactically, set pieces, the physicality typical shithousery as, as you would call it 
and you know fair play to them because if they go there and try and sort of outplay them in an attacking point of view Sanderfield tried to do that a couple of months ago it didn't work out they got ripped apart they know their strengths Vega Hansen he gets the most out of the team and and, and yes there's they were lucky but it was kind of designed luck if you know what I mean they knew that they only they were going to get a result they would need that luck and um I really I always praised him highly he uh he has that knack. He's quite willing to, to, to dig in and, and grind. And I think you've got to respect the other side ultimately. Fantastic stuff. And yeah, the bottom two, just to just to um, wrap it up, is a start and Arlison. Arlison with just seven points, one win out of 14 games. I mean, yeah, Mjondal and the seven points ahead of them. Uh, and then Viking sort of 14th at this moment in time and, you know, in that, in that relegation playoff. So a lot of work to do for Arlison, start and Viking. And it looks like Mjondal and a picking up. I always remember your interview with uh, their manager, which you can always dig into our archives, subscribe to the Nordic Football Podcast on uh, iTunes or, or Spotify or wherever you get your podcast from and uh, go back into the archives and, and tuck in. We had a Mjondalen episode. So I think that's about it for this week's show. We had two players in focus. We'd love to get your thoughts on them. And uh, please do, if you enjoy the show, do share it with people that you know that might be interested. Um, we do have some listener questions. I think we'll just very, very, very quickly um touch on one or two of them and also before i do that i just want to say a massive thank you to uh, our followers on patreon our subscribers we've had a few new subscribers we're going to give you a shout out in the next show but uh, for now you know who you are and you know you can bask in the glow of knowing that we love you and uh, we'll give you a big shout out coming soon but yeah just for those who um who have subscribed recently patreon.com slash nordic football podcast if you want to support us um, and we'll be doing a bonus show very soon in fact we may do a bonus show this week uh, or next week to cover the european games and, and a little bit more so a treat coming for our patreon subscribers fairly soon steve i'm gonna just ask you the first listener question we will wrap them very quickly so please keep it brief um, but i'm gonna ask you do you think that the added rest between games will change anything in terms of tactics and lineups? Obviously, it's been a packed schedule in Norway and Swin. Do you think now that maybe with, with the schedule being a bit more calm, this is a question from at Riley Pick 345, do you think it will calm things down and, and change tactics and lineups? Yeah, for, for the sides that have un, been rotating unusually, expect them to go to sort of more consistent 11s. Um, even a side like from Norway's point of view, Christiansen, who rotate a lot anyway, even they might get a bit more consistent. But yeah, I think it will help uh, a lot of sides. Uh, I, one thing I noticed with uh, teams, they were getting a really starting to get a bit tired um, uh, when it was uh, midweek uh, weekend a lot. So uh, I think it will things will settle down again in, in that regard. But just I just expect a lot more consistency, less uh, squad chat turnaround. Yeah, and then we've got a couple of questions on our Svensk game, which I will just very briefly answer. I mean, are Elsborg real contenders for the title? I'm going to say no. <clears throat> and you know, four, point, four points off it. But I, I think over the, over the long stretch, I think Malmo will will, will out, outscore them and concede you know, fewer than them. So I, I struggle to see Elsborg really surpassing Malmo. I think they're having a fantastic season, Elsborg, I have to be honest. Um, and we did talk about them on a, a couple of shows back. If you want to tuck in and listen to the archives, but um, no, I think I think I think Jurgen might finish second. Actually, if I was giving a prediction right now, no shopping, you know, potentially could be up there as well. But I think Elsborg, their big challenge is to try and get into the European places. You know, that top three, 
So I think that's their challenge rather than the title. I just don't see it. Although Jesper Carson has to be said, has been one of the players of the season. Um, we did have a question from Ted Cruz, my son, about the Royal League. Going to leave that one for this week, Steve. I think we're going to run out of time. We would be the main winners every year. FSA Copenhagen, no doubt about it. <laughs> there you go. Did really well against Manchester United, although they didn't win the league, did they? So um, league, Europa League outlook. I think I kind of briefly touched on that with uh, with Mulder. That was a question from Team Overs, by the way. Thanks very much for that, and also your Patreon support. Um, in terms of Europa League, I think yeah, Rosenborg got a decent draw. Your garden, I didn't like the look of their draw, John. I must say, I think Celtic line weight quite early, so that's worrying. Yeah, well, they've got to get past quite a big club, haven't they? Ferenc Varos from Hungary, who, uh, well, in terms of support, I know that they've got really sort of passionate ultras and that kind of thing. Uh, they're one of those teams that you always see on TIFO websites and that kind of thing. You, you know, I've never, never actually been to one of their games, but I know that they're, uh, you know, really well supported and quite historic club. I think it'll be a challenge for Eurogarden, but I, I, like I've said, I think Eurogarden are, are on the up. We haven't talked about them a huge amount um, this season. Uh, we will rectify that in the coming weeks. So keep an eye out, but um, I'll be watching that game. I'll look forward to it, but I think um, they should get through and hopefully they can then meet Celtic, which would be nice. You know, don't forget, they're still the champions of your garden and um, they're doing their best after a fairly poor start to sort of um, to sort of challenge. Yeah, I know there, there was a couple of other questions out there. So Magnus uh, Shaft and Martin Eriksson will we'll answer those on, on Twitter or something because we are overrunning now on this episode. So we'll have to leave it there for the question, but thanks very much for them. Um, and we'll, we'll get back to you as many, many as we can uh, in the future. Yeah, that's it for the Nordic Football Podcast this week. A bit of a longer show, but I hope you've enjoyed it. And uh, as I say, you can subscribe on Twitter at Nordic Foot Pod. You can reach us via email. Check us out on Twitter and the link's there. I think it's nordicfootballpod at gmail.com. If you've got any inquiries, we've had a lot of um, new followers from within the game at the moment, at this moment in time. So, you know, if you do want to take advantage of our our analysis and our scouting and our capabilities, then do get in touch. And uh, yeah, we've got a Patreon, as we've mentioned. So great show, I think. And uh, if you want to sort of uh, rip into Steve for his slamming of 18-year-olds on Twitter, then do. Uh, and uh, we look forward to the next episode. As I say, we will be providing some bonus content on Patreon in the coming week or two. So we're preparing that right now. And if you've got any suggestions uh, for things you want us to see, see us cover, then do let us know as well in the comments. Uh, when this episode come out but for that for now it's uh it's all over isn't it steve and uh hope you have a good week and we'll be in touch soon yeah same to you jonathan thanks very much for listening uh i bid you all goodbye stay safe take care and we'll see you again very soon